Hello and welcome to Unbossed. I am your host, Nina Turner. I haven't said this in a while, but I'm vibing on that intro. You know, just every now and then I'm feeling like, yes, my walk on song is doing the daggone thing. And today is one of those days. I am feeling it. In the co-host chair today is none other than Yasmin Khan. Yasmin, how are you doing, darling? And I she's a contributor good. for the breakdown. Anything happening with the breakdown? I'm sorry, I'm introducing you, then asking you questions at the same time. Can you break down what's happening? Well, it's funny breakdown? that you mentioned your intro because I was literally thinking this time, I was like, man, this is the best intro of all. Don't tell the other hosts, but this is the best intro of all the shows, I think. But yeah, lots going on in the breakdown. Um, I'm going to be talking about healthcare sharing ministries lately. Um, up next, I guess it's coming up soon. But those are basically religiously backed healthcare nonprofits that operate somewhat outside of the law. And one of these ministries just scammed thousands of people out of tens of millions of dollars. We also talked about child marriage and food regulation in this country. It's kind of an interesting mix, but I got to keep it interesting over there, if only for my own sake. I have to stay interested. Yeah, very interesting. Listen, yeah. you don't want to miss that. So go over to the breakdown and join Yasmin over there along with the other colleagues that are over there at the breakdown. They are breaking it down. Breakdown, TYT breakdown. You don't want to miss it. Now today, Yasmin and I, we're going to be talking about how teachers can't afford to live in the areas where they teach. Yeah, this is cruel and it's happening in America. We're talking about what's happening over here in the good old US of and then DeSantis is letting electric companies get away with dirty energy. But it's DeSantis, so you should not be surprised. Florida, Florida, Florida. And later in the show, Tucker Carlson used his executive June, uh, January 6th footage last night to spread more lies about the violent insurrection. But what can you expect? It's Tucker Carlson. So don't forget to subscribe. If you are watching and you are not subscribed, please subscribe and send a text message to somebody and let them know Unbossed is one of the best hours of their day. We want them to join. So go ahead and spread the love. And we're going to read more comments today. We're going to try to sprinkle comments in between some of the segments. Surprise, surprise, because I need some more of that goodness in my life. One time doesn't do it, two times doesn't do it. We're gonna see if we can get three times in today, all right? So make sure that you comment and we might just get to yours. So let's start off with how teachers are struggling to pay their rent. Across the country, the people that educate the next generation are having a hard time making ends meet. Specifically in the great state of California and across the country, teachers are navigating a difficult and I mean truly difficult terrain, making enough money to afford living in the districts where they serve. Again, we're not talking about some country that doesn't have the means to pay their teachers very well. We're talking about right here in the United States of America. So the research by the Economic Policy Institute found the following, that public school teachers nationally make nearly 24% less in weekly earnings than similarly credentialed college graduates in other fields. When benefits such as healthcare were taken into account, the total compensation penalty was 14%, the widest gap since 1979. This reporting is coming from The Guardian. Thank you, Edwin, over at The Guardian. Now, I just want you to wrap your minds around that. Let me just dress this up for you real nice. Teachers who educate, 
the next generation cannot afford their rent. That is a problem in the United States of America. And when you compare teachers to other professions, you see that it definitely does not pay to go into teaching. This make it make sense for me. The people who educate the next carpenters and lawyers and doctors and physicists and engineers and nurses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Pick your profession, cannot afford to live. America, something is wrong with that. I'm sure you would agree. Now, the so-called wage penalty, a wage penalty for going for going into education makes it increasingly difficult for teachers to live in the same communities as their students, forcing them to commute extensive distances to and from school, renting rooms from parents, taking on second jobs, and living in school district operated housing. Again, make it make sense. The teachers that educate the great minds of the future cannot afford to live. The president of the United Teachers of Los Angeles stated the following. Educators are educating astronauts, physicists, doctors, lawyers, construction workers, plumbers, electricians. However, educators who have two and three and four degrees, hello somebody, are not making enough for more than all of the professions that I brought forward. This is indeed, you know, the category I use sometimes, a sin and a shame. This fits in my sin and shame category. America, what's up with this? Now, this shouldn't be the reality anywhere in this country. Now, back in December, UTLA proposed a 20% raise on salaries over the next two years, among other demands like smaller class sizes. In Los Angeles, a teacher in their first year makes $49,000, whereas the average apartment rental ranges between $2,247 and $3,826, meaning that they would pay at least half their salary in rent each year. Oh, to quote Andrew Yang, the math ain't math on this one right here. Now in California, teachers on a weekly basis make nearly 18% than comparable college degrees. Yasmin, this is indeed a stain on this country. It's so sad, but there are just fewer and fewer reasons to become a teacher these days. And I would imagine that most people who become educators aren't in it because they're trying to like ball out of control, but they need to at least be able to afford to live. This problem has only gotten worse over the past several decades, this is going back from 1979. And that's in spite of so many calls from citizens for lawmakers to invest more public money into public schools. Instead, we're seeing the opposite happen. You're seeing money being siphoned away from schools and put into, I don't know, practically every other sector of government. But the bigger picture of what's been happening in this country lately is the conflation of a lot of separate issues to the point that you really can't separate one from another anymore. We don't pay teachers living wages and that's always been a problem, but we never addressed it, right? So now that problem is being compounded upon with a housing crisis and the fact that people, professional workers and public servants can't afford to live where they work. And that's compounded by a post pandemic economy, which is compounded by a student debt crisis, which is compounded by ideological attacks on public and higher education. 
you know, you can keep going until you end up at the fact that our government at every level has mismanaged public funds and failed the children of this country and continues to do so. And I don't know what kind of future they're hoping to build with this. And I don't know why they're so short sighted. And I will give every shout out to the teachers that I had growing up, by the way. I think I was very lucky to have some pretty remarkable ones. And especially in my elementary school teachers, I think I can say they're probably responsible for me doing the work that I do today. It can't be understated how important that early education is. It's really sad. It is, Yasmin, I totally agree with you. Shout out to teachers. I have so many fond memories of my teachers. And even in college, some of my professors that helped me, shepherded me through some very hard times in my life. Had it not been for an educator coupled with a strong community, I too don't know where I would be today. My English teacher is coming to mind, Miss Mildred Gardner. Still, I remember seeing the stars on my paper when I gave in a speech, ironically. Nobody would believe that. that I got, <laughs> got some stars for giving a speech and, and checked off every box. So I'm with you, Yasmin. I mean, teachers do so much and they make they leave a lasting impression. And this is something that we can change. And speaking of changing this, earlier this year, Senator Bernard Sanders says teachers should be paid at least $60,000 and thinks that money should come from higher taxes on the wealthy. This reporting is coming from the insider. I certainly agree with the senator when we were on the campaign trail, particularly in 2020, we introduced or part of his policy plank was the Thurgood Marshall you know, Education Act. And it was so vitally important that we pay our teachers, being side by side with teachers in South Carolina as they walked out because the classroom sizes were so big and they are so underpaid. Teachers definitely do deserve this. And in America today, 44% of public school teachers quit the profession within five years. Why is that? Why are so many public school teachers leaving the profession they love? Well, there are many reasons, but one of the primary reasons is the pathetically low pay teachers receive. In America today, the starting pay for teachers is almost 40% of our school districts is less than $40,000 a year. And that quote is coming from none other than the Vermont Senator himself, Bernard Sanders. America, we gotta do better. We can do better and we must do better. Go ahead, show teachers love. Make sure that you are advocating for them to get higher wages. And then go ahead and lean on those people in the Congress and tell them to go ahead and support Senator Bernard Sanders bill to increase the pay for teachers across this country. Yeah, we wanna do that. Now we move from teachers to DeSantis and his dirty power. Take a look. Florida Power and Light, or FPL, is the biggest power company in the state, serving approximately 12 million people. FPL is also one of the biggest political spenders in the state. And that is how FPL has been able to gouge working class Floridians over $1.5 billion in rate increases over the next couple of years. Get ready to pay more for your power. Florida Power and Light customers across Northwest Florida say they're worried about their bills. Like right now, my bill is $569 for this month. Wow. That's not a late payment, that's an actual payment. And FPL can't blame these high bills on inflation because the company also leads the nation in shareholder and executive profit. 2018 was a blue wave across the nation, but here in Florida, thanks to millions of dollars from FPL, Republicans were able to secure a stronghold on the state, putting Governor Ron DeSantis in the governor's mansion and securing a supermajority in the state legislature. Florida. 
Florida, Florida, Lord help us. And if that wasn't maddening enough, the lever has uncovered more about DeSantis and utility companies exploiting their residents. Check out this headline, DeSantis lets electric company hide their dirty work. Thank you, Matthew Cunningham Cook for this reporting. As more than 9 million in utility and utility connected cash flooded the coffers of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's campaign and the state Republican Party he controls. His appointee to the little known body allowed utility companies to stop disclosing information about how they are shutting off the power for thousands of struggling Florida residents. Now America, I gotta tell you something. It is legal to bribe politicians in the United States of America. Just in case you didn't know that, just in case you weren't watching any episodes where I let you know it is legal to bribe politicians. What you just read or heard me read is an example of that. These companies, these corporations, they pour money into politicians that will do their bidding. And you would think that this governor would prefer to stand up for the everyday people of his state. But oh no, oh no, oh no, Dorothy, that is too much to ask. This man stands up for his owner donors, just like many of his sisters and brothers and family and friends in that Congress. The state level of government is pretty much no different than what is happening in the halls of Congress. I'm gonna put this in the sin and the shame category too. So we two for two today. In November of 2021, Florida's Public Service Commission issued a a memorandum allowing electric utilities to stop disclosing their shutoff data. The memorandum which reversed the commission's September 2020 decision to collect the data to track the pandemic's effect on utility customers came after DeSantis stacked the board with his appointees. Yes, if you asking me, SNT is the system rig Absolutely, it is rigged. And this is just yet another example of the rigging. The number of residents disconnected from their power is astounding and it is maddening. Next era, the parent company of Florida's largest utility, Florida and Power Light, disconnected over 7,000 or 700,000 Floridians in 2021 and 1.1 million Americans nationwide since 2020. According to a report from Bailout Watch last month, if that disconnection rate continued, note the report, noted the report, Next Era would have shut off 1.2 million customers in 2022. But we do not know the total because the DeSantis appointed Florida PUC allowed them to hide the data. Yasmin, I mean, this is poster child for the example that we often give about how politicians are bribed and then how once they get that cash to run for office, how they use their power to the advantage of the people who were bribing them. Yeah, I mean, I live in Texas and power issues are, they're a trigger for us, right? As many of you know, we had a situation here two years ago when our power grid froze over and Texans froze to death in their homes, which is already crazy to think about. But then after the freeze, people were hit with exorbitant electric bills. And our state government said that they would do something about the power grid issues, but they didn't really. And our Republican governor got $4.6 million in donations from the energy industry that same year, just months after the freeze. 
Now we also know about Enron, which was also a Texas company, but they deliberately triggered rolling blackouts affecting millions of people in California to artificially inflate demand for energy. Now Enron also had close ties with several Republican Texas governors, one of whom went on to be the president of the United States, thanks in no small part to donations that he received from Enron executives. I'm talking of course about George W. Bush. So now we're seeing this happen in Florida where another Republican governor is allowing energy companies to disrupt the lives of citizenry in the name of profits. And this is not what government is there for, right? There's business and then there's government. Businesses are there to make money, but the government is there to govern the people. We elect them because they're supposed to govern the people, the resources, the systems. And when government officials get involved in public services as business, there is a huge conflict of interest and it's completely irresponsible. And I feel for the people of Florida, especially as we head into hurricane season here on the Gulf Coast. Yeah, yes, I mean, you just hit all kinds of nails on the head. <laughs> Government's job is service. Government is service based. It is not profit driven. Now, yeah, you need money for the mission, but it should be calling, it should be the referee and calling the files. And this is file as hell for this utility company be doing this to our sisters and brothers and family and friends in Florida. But we will continue to bring updates about the saga of that governor known as the sanctimonious in the great state of Florida. Florida. Y'all got a problem on your hands and you causing one for all of us in this country cuz you know this dude is about to run for president, right? You know this, don't you? Shame on you Florida for letting him become governor. And those neoliberal Democrats that helped this happen, but that's a, a story for another time. Let me go ahead and get happy right now by reading some of the member comments so I can just settle on down and not bring out the fire extinguisher our TYT members. Vicky, hey Vicky baby, the teachers and schools have so many needs that are not being met or funded right. Now, books and supplies aren't being updated. We are going to pay later down the line because of this failure. I surely agree with you on that, Vicky. And on Twitch, Shantasia, I love you, Nina. Hey, Shantasia, sending that love back to you, baby. And then we got Jalen, we live in the United Corporations of America. You got that right, Jalen. And on YouTube Super Chat, Sammy, hey, Sammy. I'm here for Unboss Daily and love it, especially when it's a power panel. Oh, thank you so much for that, Sammy. It's so good to have Yasmin here with me. And Thomas, love the show. Larry Love, hey Larry Love, come call you LL. Here comes the boss, let's get it. Hello somebody, y'all just lifted my spirits as we run down this news today. Thank you so much for all of your support of this show and the TYT Network. We couldn't do what we do, boo without each and every one of you. All right, Tucker Carlson continues to spread the lie that January 6th wasn't a violent day. Listen to what this man said last night. They were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists, they were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol, they obviously revere the Capitol. They're there because they believe the election was stolen from them. They believe in the system. Here's the man you've heard referred to as the QAnon shaman outside the Senate chamber. Lord, have mercy on all of our souls. Is this man living in an alternative universe, neat little lines? Did he not see all the violence? Does he not know the stats of people who got hurt and even killed? Particularly law enforcement folks got killed over this 
foolishness and mayhem? Is the man delusional? Let me tell you something, Tucker Carlson. I got some advice for you. Two words, seek help, okay? Baby, seek some help because there is something wrong with you. Fox, shame on you for letting this dude do this. He need to seek help and each and every one of his producers need to seek help. The whole network needs to seek help. Neat little lines, my behind. Okay, I want to say something else, but I'm gonna keep it PG. Bring it down, bring it down, Sister Turner. So, so what you just—I mean, the man is just full of crap. Now, remember, Tucker Carlson has exclusive access to June to January 6th uh, footage. Exclusive McCarthy gives Tucker Carlson access to a trove of January 6th riot tape. Tucker Carlson acquired the tapes as part of a push by. Speaker Kevin McCarthy to win the gavel, which he did win. When McCarthy was struggling to gather the votes to lead the House, Carlson used his program to list two concessions he could make to win over the far right Republicans. This reporting coming from NBC News. Carlson announced in late February that McCarthy had given him exclusive access to 44,000 hours of security video from the deadly riot before he unveiled some clips of the video on his show Monday night, just last night. Now, so that means if the man got 44,000 hours, then Yasmin, he got some footage that shows the craziness that was going on. But if he doesn't, we can roll some tapes because we got a whole bunch of receipts just in case he don't he doesn't have them. Yeah, you know. This grift would all be so much more believable if they just stuck to one story. You know, the right, including Trump, including Tucker, has blamed the insurrection on everyone from Antifa to the FBI, while also claiming that it wasn't a big deal and that the insurrectionists were essentially just tourists, right? Also, and it's like what you were saying, Tucker's words and his carefully curated clips of the footage are so easily disproved with the rest of the footage, right? And it's footage that other news organizations have access to, footage that the Congressional Committee has access to and show it to all of America. Fox News relies on the fact that their viewers don't watch any other news source. They rely on that impenetrable right wing bubble. And the people who still listen to somebody like Tucker Carlson, especially after the revelations of the Dominion defamation case are choosing ignorance and they're choosing comfort over consequences. This is such a great example of how the media can shape narratives to the point that people question that which they can literally see with their own eyes. But of course, if people acknowledge what they were watching when viewing that footage, they would have to upturn their entire belief system. And that's a lot more work than people are willing to put in, unfortunately. That's absolutely right, Yasmin. And playing right, you know, as you're giving, you know, giving your thoughts about this segment, is the footage of a law enforcement officer running, you know, moving out of the way and trying to beat back some of these folks who totally stormed the Capitol on January the 6th. And again, some law enforcement officers died. People got hurt. So Tucker Carlson, this is important because he repeatedly continues to play down what actually happened. And your point, Yasmin, about our alternative universe and making people doubt what they just seen. This is what these people do. This right here is definitely in the sin and the shame category. And speaking of that, now we've seen some politicians respond to what Tucker reported on Monday night. Let's take a look at what Senator Chuck Schumer had to say. Millions of Americans tuned in to one of the most shameful hours we have ever seen on cable television. With contempt for the facts, disregard of the risks, and knowing full well he was lying, lying to his audience. Fox News host Tucker Carlson ran a lengthy segment last night 
arguing the January 6th Capitol attack was not a violent insurrection. He tried to argue it was nothing more than a peaceful sightseeing tour. Can you imagine? A nonviolent demonstration, a perfectly fine and appropriate instance of people expressing their opinion. I, so many others who were here in the Capitol, and millions and millions of Americans are just furious with Tucker Carlson and Kevin McCarthy today. To say January 6th was not violent is a lie, a lie pure and simple. I don't think I've ever seen a primetime cable news anchor manipulate his viewers the way Mr. Carlson did last night. I don't think I've ever seen an anchor treat the American people and American democracy with such disdain. And he's going to come back tonight with another segment. Fox News should tell him not to. Fox News, Rupert. The senator got that just right, contempt for the facts. If my grandmother were here today on my maternal side, she would say he's a liar and the truth ain't in him. So I'm quoting grandma today, the man is a liar and the truth is not in him. And the reason why he ain't looking for the truth, cause that doesn't pay well, okay? Something wrong with this dude, amping up his viewers in this way as if they not already amped up already. Yeah, this is a sin and the shame category. But President Donald Trump, he had to chime in as well. And this is what he added. Great courage shown by Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy in releasing the surveillance footage to Tucker Carlson so that our country and indeed the world can see what really went on during the January 6th events. Man, calls it some events, Lord help us. A whole new and completely opposite picture has now been indelibly painted. The unselect committee lied and should be prosecuted for their actions. Nancy and Mitch were a disaster on security. Thank you, Kevin and Tucker, free at last. The man had the pure unadulterated gall to end his tweet, to end it with free at last. Okay, let me just keep on going. Another one from former President Donald J. Trump, let the January 6th prisoners go, free them. They were convicted or are awaiting trial based on a giant lie, radical left con job. Thank you to Tucker Carlson and Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy for what you both have done. New video footage is irrefutable. What is irrefutable is that these people are crazy, okay? That's irrefutable. They are liars and the truth ain't in them. Yasmin, just, just a few more remarks about that. I mean, this president, there is no boundaries for this man. Yeah, I mean, it's what Senator Schumer said, contempt for the facts and disregard for the risks, right? Tucker's reporting is irresponsible. And I honestly can't believe that he's still pushing this agenda or this lie two years later. He and Trump both read as men who have never suffered any consequences for their actions. And I really just hope that that changes sometime soon. Yeah, I do too. Come on, come on, America, wake up. Stop playing games with these people. Let me calm down yet again. TYT members, Riff, Mas Riff Master Carlson is paid quite well to be the face of team carefully crafting lies. You got that right, Riff Master. Metal Turtle, the worst part is people will believe Tucker. Absolutely, it is the point that Yasmin made as well. Thank you, Raven Light 
303 for subscribing for 17 months. Yay, yeah, yay, Raven. Thank you, Raven Light, for your subscription. And on YouTube, Super Chat Green Fire, Nina is a champion, a real hero of mine. Oh, darling, thank you so much. And Hoover, hey, Hoover, in the house, in the house. Tucker is the walking version of the person who saw Trump shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and let him get away with it. Hoover, you got that right. Now that president, he rarely said anything that was true. But when he made that statement, yeah, he got a lot of followers who would absolutely swear that it wasn't true, even if they saw it with their lying eyes. Don't believe your lying eyes. Lord have mercy, y'all are really keeping me from bringing out the fire extinguisher today. Now. We got, we're moving on, Yasmin and I are moving on to something good. To know Robert Small's story is to know perseverance. Take a look. Robert Smalls was born into enslavement on April 5th, 1839 in Beaufort, South Carolina. But by the age of 25, he'd schemed a way to freedom for himself and 15 other enslaved people by stealing a Confederate ship. On the night of May 12th, 1862, after the white crew went ashore, Smalls, with the help of his fellow enslaved crew members, commandeered the ship. With Smalls at the helm, the men sailed the ship to pick up their families who were waiting to board the ship. Dressed in the captain's hat and clothes and mimicking his mannerisms, Smalls sailed the planter past Confederate forts toward Union territory. But Smalls did not stop there. Watch this. The planter became a Union Navy troop transport ship and Smalls was named captain making him the first black person in the US Navy to be given the title. After the rebel South fell to Northern forces, Captain Smalls returned to Beaufort, South Carolina with his family and purchased the home in which he and his mother were once enslaved. Smalls leveraged his notoriety to improve the quality of life for black people in his home state and eventually across the country. In 1867, he helped establish a school for black children and served on the county's school board. His advocacy for equitable public education made him a prominent political figure in his community during the Reconstruction era. And in 1868, he was elected to the South Carolina House of Representatives. In 1874, Smalls was elected to the U.S. Congress and served in the U.S. House of Representatives for more than a decade. Captain, state rep, and Congressman Smalls does us really proud. And Robert Smalls, he is truly a revolutionary freedom fighter. And now the US Navy is recognizing that. The guided missile destroyer USS Chandlerville was named after a Confederate victory in the Civil War, was renamed the USS Robert Smalls. The Navy announced on Monday in a news release, the USS Robert Smalls is currently deployed to Urusaka, Japan, and is assigned to Carrier Strike Group 5, reporting from CNN. Navy Secretary Carlos D. Toro spoke to Robert Smalls' amazing life and said the following, Robert Smalls is a man who deserves a namesake ship. And with this renaming, his story will continue to be retold and highlighted. The renaming of these assets is not about rewriting history, but to remove the focus on the parts of history that doesn't align with the tenets of this country. And instead allows us to highlight the events and people in history who may have been overlooked. Well, I agree with the Navy Secretary on most of what he said, uh, Yasmin. I, I think you know the the first name did align with this country's uh, beliefs. People want to dismiss that stuff; it's not true. But I'm so glad that they have renamed the ship. Any thoughts from you about this incredible 
Yeah, I mean, this is a great way to honor an overlooked hero, as I said. Uh, you know, of course, I can't relate to this personally, what it's like to fight alongside someone in a war, but I love that this history is being resurrected and celebrated now. Black history is American history, it just is. That's not a political opinion. I don't feel this way because I'm not white, it just is. We need to remember that on a personal level, yes, but also institutionally, and I promise we will all be better off for it. That's it. Yeah. We will all be better off for Yasmin. And there are so many layers to black history, many events and figures and freedom fighters, who some whose names we know, some we do not know. Black history is 365. And so it's everybody's job to keep learning, keep pushing, keep believing and keep thinking, even though you got governors like DeSantis who wanna stop it from being told. Oh, I digress, let me get back on track. Let's go straight to the wishbone. So we went from the captain to the state rep, to the congressman Smalls. And we going right now to Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune. Take a look at this. The 15th child of freed slaves, Mary attended college in hopes of becoming a missionary. In a way, she did, her lifelong mission unfolding in the classroom. For more than 30 years, she presided over a namesake college in Daytona Beach, Florida. During this period, she served as president of the National Association of Colored Women and founder of the National Council of Negro Women. In 1930, she was included on a list of America's 10 greatest women. A valued advisor to several presidents, she was among Eleanor Roosevelt's closest personal friends and an important force behind the scenes of FDR's New Deal. A larger-than-life Bethune in Lincoln Park carries in her right hand a cane given her by President Roosevelt. With the other, she presents a copy of her famed Last Will and Testament to a young boy and girl, symbolic of work unfinished at the time of her death in 1955. A force for FDR's New Deal, very close friend to First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, Dr. Mary McLeod, Bethune. And so we're going to share the tenets of her last will and testament. I want to start off with this. As she was writing this, she said, sometimes as I sit communing in my study, I feel that death is not far off. I am aware that it will overtake me before the greatest of my dreams. Full equality for the Negro in our time is realized. That is the opening of her last will and testament. I want to encourage everybody to go look it up. And let's put up some of the major points of her last will and testament. Number one, Dr. Bethune's last will and testament. She said, I leave you love, love builds. I leave you hope. The Negro's growth will be great in the years to come. I leave you the challenge of developing confidence in one another. As long as Negroes are hemmed into racial blocks by prejudice and pressure, it will be necessary for them to band together for economic betterment. She goes on, I leave you a thirst for education, knowledge is the prime need of the hour. I leave you respect for the uses of power. We live in a world which respects power above all things. Power intelligently directed can lead to more freedom. You better say that Dr. Bethune. I leave you faith. Faith is the first factor in a life devoted to service. Without faith, nothing is possible. The next phase, I leave you racial dignity. I want Negroes to maintain their human 
dignity at all cost. I leave you a desire to harmoniously, to live harmoniously with your fellow men. The problem of color is worldwide. I leave you finally a responsibility to our young people. The world around us really belongs to youth for youth will take over its future management. Our children must never lose their zeal for building a better world. Yasmin, I know that when we were in break, put Yasmin side by side with me. You were talking about how you really enjoyed reading about this, how you were gonna send this to your mom. I want the viewers to know as you comment on this, that that last one of Testament is much younger. We just took some of the highlighted excerpts from it. But Dr. Bethune was an amazing woman, an amazing leader, an amazing trailblazer. And she was part of President FDR's little known black cabinet. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. I read the whole thing and I did send it to my mom since I said that I would. You know, and what struck me about the the, the whole piece was how universal and how timeless her words were for better or for worse, right? Now, obviously I am not a black woman and I don't experience life the same way as black people in this country do, but I also never wanna appropriate anyone else's experiences as my own. But I will say that I think many people of color, not all, but I imagine many feel a strong sense of solidarity with other people of color in the sense that our ancestors came from abroad and struggled in some form or another to find a home, to find acceptance and love. My ancestors were taken from India to Guyana by British colonizers in the 1800s where they endured indentured servitude. My parents immigrated to Queens and my brothers and I were born in Connecticut. Now we're full American, but that history and that legacy that we now represent isn't lost on me, right? We all deserve the opportunity and the grace to honor our ancestors and to celebrate our histories. And we all deserve dignity. And the thing that I love most about this country is the very thing that people are afraid of, our diversity. But imagine if we could all actually celebrate our diversity instead of running from it. There is strength and beauty and yes, power in that diversity. And I wanna see it, I wanna see more of it. Yeah, I do too. And I love your words, opportunity and grace to be able to do so. We have overcome some barriers, but my God, we still have a very, very long way to go. Thank you for that. And thank you, Dr. Patoon, for leaving us your last will and testament. We should visit that very often. And Yasmin, thank you for being here with us today. We have an interview coming up, so Yasmin will go, but we always appreciate when she is on the show. Don't you forget to go over there and break it down with her. Don't you forget. Thank you, Yasmin. Thank you. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to our amazing show today. Yeah, I said that, I'm gonna say it myself. I ain't gotta wait for nobody else to pat me on the back. This show is amazing today. We're gonna thank Yasmin for doing this. Now, right after the show, I want you to tune in to the watch list with JR in the house. You, you gotta do that. Giving a shout out to Freddie, who's over there now. The watch list with JR Jackson right after Unbossed. You don't want to miss it. And we have a podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, you can go ahead and listen to Unbossed. Go ahead and put that smartphone up and catch that Q code, baby. Better yet, go ahead and send it to somebody. Listen to Unbossed and membership. You can be more than a viewer. You can just go ahead and join the family through a membership. Do that. You wanna do that, you see that amazing lineup right there? You see that? Those people are not just pretty faces, baby. They are intelligent, they're brilliant. 
they pretty and they brilliant. Those two things can go together. So come on, baby, go ahead and subscribe and become a TYT member. On to comments, TYT members, speaking of TYT members, Mountain Dragon, hey Mountain Dragon. I love your uplifting stories. Nina Turner with all the hardship and tough news out there, it is crucial to honor and learn about these strong individuals and put a smile on my face when it is so needed these days. I'm with you, Mountain Dragon. We try here to do that at Unboss, so we appreciate you for noticing. And on Twitch, San Diego, Jay, Nina, my family and I adore you. You represent this family and our values. But your line eyes comment <laughs> put an earworm up in my brain because there ain't no way to hide the line eyes. Love you, Nina. Oh, San Diego Jay, thank you so much. Sending that love right back to you, baby. And on YouTube, Super Chat, Rose learned about Robert Smalls years ago. Very surprised to see this renaming of the ship. Very cool. Rose, very cool indeed. And you know what else is very cool? Our next guest, I have none other than Pepper Chambers, the hot one. Pepper is an actress, she's an author, she's an activist, she is an all around brilliant personality. And she is here with us on Unbossed. We're gonna talk about the arts today of which she knows a whole lot about. And Pepper actually was one of my team members on Hello Somebody podcast that we had. Pepper, it's so good to see you, darling. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me with you today. It's just wonderful. And I know it's been a great show already. I'm happy to be a part of it. And it's just nice to see your face. I'm happy. Yeah, we're we're happy to have you a part of it. So you're the creator of a woman's lifestyle brand. I want people to know that Brown Betty's, which includes an award-winning web series, Brown Betty's Guide: How to Look for Love in All the Wrong Places, <laughs> <laughs> Women's Empowerment Workshops, Be Your Own Betty, a dinner theater show, Harlem's Night, a cabaret story, and her published novelette, Harlem's Awakening. And we're gonna be talking about Harlem's Awakening and also your new book, Harlem's Last Dance. In yeah. 2019, you created a company, Pen and Power, uh, Pen and Pepper, and people can go to www.penandpepper.com where you ghostwrite for people. So you're just everything. You really, really are. So one of the questions I have for you, Pepper, the power of creativity. What is creativity and imagination? Why are these things so important in our daily lives. And I thought about two people to bring into our conversation as you are thinking about your answer. One is Albert Einstein, the fifth <laughs> physicist, and the other is Zora Neale Hurston. So we'll yeah. wait for the team to get that up. But what does creativity mean to you and why is it important? Creativity means to me literally having the freedom to express yourself and however it comes to you. So for me, being creative with my words is is literally the freedom to just whatever is in there to let it come out and not know that I'm going to be censored or not know that that I can't say something because I'm a black woman or not know that um, you know not know that I don't have the right to be creative. You know, I think that some people go through life thinking that they aren't allowed to either they don't that they they have to work instead of be creative or they don't look like this so they that they can't be creative. And I think that creativity is one of those leveling forces that's accessible to all of us. And for me, it is something that gives me great joy and something that was always kind of instilled in us as kids. We were always sort of given uh, 
you know, like books and coloring books and things to do instead of watching TV. And I just think that creativity is just one of those things that, um, I don't know, it, it gives me, it's my passion. It, 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 I, I, I go to creativity in any and everything that I do, quite frankly. Yeah, and it is so, so necessary. And so we do have two people from the past that I would like to put up how they talked about creativity, what how they formed it. So we're gonna start with Albert Einstein, the German born theoretical physicist. Imagination is more important than knowledge, for knowledge is limited to all we now know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. Let's put up the picture of the one and only. Einstein, Professor Einstein, Dr. Einstein. So, Pepper, what 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 are your thoughts about what he had to say before we go? We're gonna go to Zora Neale Hurston. I was saving her for last in my question in here. First of all, I I love how you love your quotes. I love how you love your quotes. This is great. So, my goodness, the key word there is imagination, and without it, I mean, where are we? From politics to writing, I mean, where are we without the imagination to see what what can be? And to and to feel it, to see it, to understand it, to taste it, to smell it. Like without this imagination of creating something that doesn't exist, yeah. where are we? You know, I I think that it's 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 a beautiful thing. It is beautiful, and I like how uh, uh, Einstein said, you know, the knowledge you have today is very limiting, but imagination can take us far off into unknown worlds. Yeah. Beautiful thing. And one of the great Harlem Renaissance writers herself, Zora Neale Hurston. And she said the following, sometimes I feel discriminated against, but it does not make me angry. It's It merely astonishes me. How can any, how can anyone deny themselves the pleasure of my company? It's beyond me. You know what, Pepper? I put Pepper up with me. I'm feeling the same way. How can anybody deny themselves the pleasure of my company? You better go ahead and make it plain, Zora Neale Hurston. Oh, she is one of my favorite authors. I'm so glad you pulled that one. And you know, it's funny today. I was listening to a to a, a webinar with Dr. John Powell, and he speaks to belonging and and othering. And today, literally, he said something about racism, and he said that it's not that. For example, I use myself. I I don't I don't need to feel bad because someone was being racist towards me. What is happening is the racism on the from the coming from the other person. It's on them. And so I, that's her quote is so beautiful and saying like, it's, it's not about me. It's, I, I know who I am. I yes. know what I'm here for. And I'm yes. here with my, my art and my gift and my soul with you. And if you can't deal with that, then you need to go ahead on somewhere else. Hey, it's your problem to deny yourself <laughs> my presence. Look, Pepper, I'm gonna walk around saying that on a regular basis. You wanna deny yourself my presence? Hey, that's on you, baby. <laughs> you don't, you don't, yeah. you're the loser. Pepper, I cannot help but to see. Is that Dorothy Dandridge? Yes. Right behind you? Yes, she's my muse. She's my yes. I should I try? There she is. There she <laughs> is. She is my inspiration, and um, I, yeah, she's my muse. And I, I think about all of the things that she had to go through during her time, and how she persevered, and then how she kind of lost herself. We don't know how, 
but Dorothy Dandridge is one of those women where I look to her and I think, number one, if she can do it, I can do it too. And number two, I just want to carry on her essence, her story. You know, and that's where Brown Betty's comes from. These these beautiful black women from the 30s and 40s and, and the, the sophistication that they had and the beauty that they had. I want that and I want to exude it and I want to share it with others. And I'm so glad that you recognized her. Oh, I do. And you did exude that and so did Dorothy Dandridge. I mean, not only was she stunningly beautiful, she was brilliant. Yes. Both of those things go together. And I, I loved Halle Berry's introducing Dorothy Dandridge. I watched that and I really did enjoy it. I think she really captured much of the essence of Dorothy Dandridge. So you have a new book. You have two. So you have a book coming out on March the 23rd, and that's yes. Harlem's Last Dance. But before we get to Harlem's Last Dance, Harlem's Awakening, a 18 Harlem. And that's her name, not the place, yes. right? Harlem yes. Markinson. Set out to start a new life in the city for which she is named. Tell us a little bit. So why Harlem's Awakening? And now tell us a little bit about Harlem's Dance and how we can get both of these books. Oh, I love it. These um, talking about creativity and imagination. These books are my soul. So Harlem's Awakening is a story about Harlem, a young woman who is abducted on her way to New York and she's abducted into a brothel and she basically has to dance her way out. And for me, it is it is this sort of, uh, I'm looking at a lot of different things with this book. I'm looking at my main character has wealth, which we don't see with my, with black people in general. And I really wanted to show that we can have wealth. We weren't always monolithic. We, there wasn't always one story. We can be anything. We can be anything. Talk about imagination. So, and we have Black Wall Street, we have evidence of it. And so I wanted to 100% show that we had a story about a young black woman who could persevere through anything. And she has to look to herself to get to her freedom, it's freedom of the mind and it's freedom outside of this place where she's captured. I have black female villains, I have black female heroes. It takes place in Harlem and the first book we see her journey to the brothel and the second book is the journey basically out of the brothel. Out of the brothel. Out of the you brothel. Black women, sheroes and villains, baby, we can play it <laughs> all. Yes, let me just go on and sit back on that one. Well, I cannot wait to read Harlem's Dance, the amazing Pepper Chambers, the hot one. We love you so much, Pepper. Thank you so much for joining us today. You all, please get both of those books. March 23rd, Harlem's Dance is coming out, Harlem Awakening. You can get it right now. Where can they get the books? Um, yes, you can get Harlem's Last Dance and Harlem's Last Harlem's Last Dance is for available right now, Barnes and Noble pre-sale, and Harlem's Awakening is available on Space Boy Books and on Amazon. Thank you so much, Pepper, the hot one. So much love for you, darling. And so much love for all of our viewers today. Thank you so much for making this show absolutely amazing. You know I mean that from all four chambers of my heart. I love you so very much. Thank you for allowing us to do what we do because we couldn't do it without you, boo. Now, you know what I want you to do about this time. I want you to keep the faith because without faith, nothing is possible. We just heard, we just read some excerpts from Dr. Dr. Bethune on that. But you know what I want you to do with that faith? I want you to marry it with the fight. Keep the faith and keep the fight until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola 
Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie and the Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.